0: Welcome to Scotch Friday Podcast. My name is Carmel Saccharin, and I'm your host. This podcast is our second show that touches on the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on small businesses. We have seen local businesses close temporarily, and unfortunately, some permanently. We express a sigh of relief when we pull on the handle of our favorite retailer and the door opens. And we are saddened to learn that some have closed permanently. The question I have, are there lessons we can take away from those that haven't survived versus those that have survived the pandemic? Is it luck, hard work, agility, money? What is it? What makes one business survive or succeed during tough times while another one doesn't? Not every business owner likes to speak publicly on the subject. It is like facing your greatest fears and exposing your vulnerability. Fortunately, I have someone who will inspire you and share some insight into what worked for her. My special guest today is Fareen Samji, or known to many as FAR. She is an entrepreneur, athlete, author, community leader, and avid golfer. She is the current ILDC International Women's Long Drive Champion, and five-time ILDC Canadian Women's Long Drive Champion for the years 2012 through to 2016. Far, welcome. Thank you, Carmel. Um, Before we get started, what is the farthest you have hit a golf ball?
1: (laughs) In competition, uh, furthest recorded is 334
0: yards. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I can hit a 220 ball on a good day.
1: (laughs) Takes practice, no question.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. Far, we're here talking about an important subject. I can't think of anyone better to speak about the challenges and uh, the experiences during the pandemic. Uh, but before we get started, can you share some of your background in business, please?
1: Yeah, certainly. I've, um, I'm a podorthist by uh, profession. Uh, And a professional golfer, of course. But uh, in my pedorthics practice, I've uh, owned some orthotics clinics and orthotics manufacturing. And so most of my time and my days were spent assessing clients, doing gait assessments, biomechanics, and running the orthotics center.
0: And is that business still up and running? It just closed
1: as of August the 1st, and we pivoted into uh, opening up a new uh, wellness distribution and PPE business.
0: And, uh, what, uh, I mean, let me ask the obvious question. When, how did you decide, when did you decide to pivot?
1: Yeah. So I've had this orthotic center. It's a family business. My brothers and I, we've had it for about 20 years and we're pretty much a mainstay in the Burlington community. Um, And over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of industry changes. This is pre-pandemic. There's been a lot of industry changes that have affected our business. And uh, when the pandemic hit, it was a little bit like a a kick in the butt almost, you know, like, hey, things haven't been going well. The industry is changing and now we have a pandemic and we're completely shut down. Let's make the decision that was difficult to make before, but how can we make it and still not lose the traction that we've gained and the networks that we've gained over the last 20 years?
0: See, I'm the son of a grocer in Burlington. And uh, so I'm a grocer's son and I, I know how connected we get to our customers. Uh, it's quite a. I, I can only imagine it was. Uh, was it emotional for you to close down your orthotics business?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we sold. So, you know, we, we were able to salvage a little bit uh, of goodwill out of that, right? Um, from a financial standpoint. But yes, absolutely. I loved my job. I loved. Uh, watching people walk and helping them and making them feel better because, you know, you affect people's lives, right? And when you affect people's lives with what you do, that's the mojo, that's the passion that keeps you going. So yes, definitely there are people that I'm going to miss, uh, people that I worked with, people that I worked, uh, serviced for. Um, Yeah, there is an emotional contention, no question. No question. It's what makes us good at what we do.
0: You know, I I, kind of suspect that maybe it's that emotional attachment that prevents people from changing sometimes. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, change. As entrepreneurs, we're always uh – What's the word? Uh, chief cook and bottle washer for everything, right? We do everything. And, and sometimes it's not our strength, but we want to do it. I mean, I, you're everything from fixing, uh, fixing the sink that isn't working to shoveling the sidewalk up ahead to, to running your internet campaign. So, you know, we're so entrenched in our business that sometimes we just need to look outward a little bit and realize, hey, you know what? The numbers don't make sense. Um, we're having a hard time meeting our goals. We're having a hard time meeting our metrics uh, and separating the emotions from the actual business uh, financials and the numbers when things just start not to make sense.
0: You you had no prior experience with the, the, the PPE. It's just the, the PPE is a personal protection equipment, I take it? That's Correct, right? yes. So So did you have any experience with the PPE industry at all prior to this? Uh,
1: other than using it in our clinics, right, because we're a healthcare facility, so we've used PPE uh, to make sure that we have sanitation practices. Obviously, we never worked with masks before. That's, that was new. We didn't, uh, we didn't work with masks through SARS Back then, so you know, we, we masks are new, but PPE as a as a global term, we've certainly used in the healthcare uh, section for a long time. But for us, it was um, it was sort of the natural progression. We have lots of lots of uh, vendors in that space. We have vendors in the in the supply space. Uh, we are familiar with it. We're healthcare professionals. We know how to use it. We can educate people on how to use it. So for us, it was uh, opportunity, as in you know, the time is right for PPE right now. Uh, opportunity and being able to le- leverage our networks and connections in order to be able to get supply
0: so but it's relatively was an unknown industry to you
1: yeah pretty much i mean from the some the supply and distribution of it
0: yes so what have you learned uh uh, jumping into this industry
1: Uh, you know it's like being it's like being back in startup mode but with a little bit of an advantage of 20 years of experience being an entrepreneur right so like like anything else you know when you're starting a new business you have to hustle you really have to hustle. And as a 20, 20 plus year entrepreneur in one business, sometimes you get complacent. And you know, when your business is doing well or when it's not doing well, you just get complacent because you have a process, you have a system, and you know, things are going fine. And now all of a sudden, it's a brand new business, a brand new market, brand new customer base, a brand new target, um, and you got to hustle.
0: So uh, what is the name of your business and where are you located?
1: It's called Longevity, Wellness, and PPE on Brant and Upper Middle.
0: And um, we've had a conversation beforehand, uh, and and I recall that you mentioned something about the importance of paying attention to the business, the emotions versus the numbers. And I know you touched on this. Do you want to just uh, maybe expand a little more?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it was a really – and even now, sometimes, you know, when you're 20, you're invested in something that you've, that you've built from the ground up. Uh, it is hard to let go. Um, but I think as entrepreneurs, we're passionate. And if you think of your hobby that you're passionate about, letting go of that hobby is tough as well. And I think sometimes our businesses become our babies. Um, and I think it becomes very, very important to understand that when the indicators for change are right in front of you, Um, that change needs to happen. And that change is a good thing. And yes, as you mentioned in your opening, it's vulnerable, right? Uh, It sort of breaks you down to the core value of why you do what you do. Um, But yeah, it's hard.
0: So indicators always exist in business. Um, I mean, can you tell me some of the indicators you you noticed in your industry in, in having to finally make that decision?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the success indicators are easy, right? You're making money. um, Most importantly for me, you're successful when you make money while you're on vacation, right? So, you know, your success indicators are easy to see. You win awards, you change people's lives, uh, your life is impacted positively, your employees' life, your customers' life are impacted positively, your communities uh, are enhanced by you. Those are great success indicators, right? But what about those indicators that make you need to pay attention. So as an entrepreneur, you know, if you're carrying stock and you see a level of dust that piles up on your stock, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not paying attention to something over there, right? Um, For me, it's a lot about uh, people interaction and people mojo. When you go into work every day and the people that you work with, that work for you, that work with you, when you don't have that uh, positive excitement you know, fun atmosphere at work, something needs to change, something needs to happen. And when there's fear of losing your job because the business isn't going well, or or fear of health and mental health, or whatever the case may be, when you have those fears, you need to pay attention to those things. In my industry specifically, um, I'll just give you a, a broad-based example. We're based on third-party reimbursements. So, for an orthotics uh, claim, for example, uh, at 10, 20 years ago, you were given $500 for your orthotics as a reimbursement model. 20 years later, the insurance companies haven't increased that. It's still 500 bucks. It same like massage, right? 20 years ago, you had $500 for a massage. You could get maybe 10 massages because they were 50 bucks each. Nowadays, you're going to get four massages because massages are about 100 bucks each. So as the cost of living and the cost of goods and the cost of employment has gone up over the course of the years, cost of materials to make orthotics has gone up over 20 years, the reimbursement value hasn't changed from the third-party payers, which means margins continue to decline over the years, right? which makes it super, super, super challenging to, to run a profitable business.
0: So you talked about letting go and, and I get, and the fears of people in business of letting go. Um, How do you ultimately, what can you say to the person who knows they have to change? They have to make a change either in keeping their business, but changing how they operate or changing the business entirely. What can you say to that individual who has that fear of crossing over the threshold? What, I mean, you seem to have done it smoothly, uh, very rationally, but, but, Um, how how does somebody who can't seem to be where you're at, how do they get there?
1: I think the first thing is to pay attention. Pay attention to your numbers, right? Are you losing market share? Are your profits suffering? Um, Are your best employees leaving to go work for your competitors. Pay attention to those things because you know there's this there's this little narcissistic ego personality that some entrepreneurs have that is actually quite common amongst entrepreneurs uh, that prevents you and blocks you from looking and seeing those things that may be affecting your decision to to make that change. Right. So simple indicators. Look at the numbers. Are your profits declining? Um, are you uh, are your customers um, not coming back, are you losing retention? Are you even tracking it? Sometimes people aren't even tracking whether their customers are coming back or how many their customers, how many customers are coming back. Have you gotten complacent? Are your employees leaving for somebody else? Uh, Has there been technological advances in your industry that you haven't paid attention to? Are you archaic in your processes, right? All of those are indicators that maybe some change needs to happen. And recognizing what your strength is. Are you the person that can actually mitigate that change? Or are you standing in the way of your company's own change?
0: I know that you have supported entrepreneurs in this community in a variety of ways for many years. Um, Can I just ask you to maybe elaborate on on those activities and, and how you have helped entrepreneurs in the community?
1: yeah I mean, other than you know your simple people reaching out for for mentorship, which I love one of the biggest, probably proudest things that uh, that we've done is the creation of python's Pit and python's Pit is a high school based program where we provide uh, training and mentorship to high school entrepreneurs and it's like a contest it 's like a dragon 's Den type of contest, but the pythons are successful. Uh, business people in our area and the applicants are high school kids and what we're trying to do is foster innovation and entrepreneurship within our young people because it's so important to our economy uh, to have that skill and what I've learned through this whole process is that uh, facilitating connections is absolutely crucial because you can't do it alone we think we can do it alone another big mistake entrepreneurs make you think you can do it alone but we can't. We need support. We need help. We need guidance. And there are so many resources available. And having these young people connected to these resources right from the very beginning, I think, is, uh, is paramount to their development as entrepreneurs.
0: I guess asking another um, uh, business owner um, their view of your business is also another way and trying to be connected. I know that independent businesses are always worried about uh, running their shop. And they tend to be almost like uh, an island. They they tend to forget that they can actually go to their competitor down the road or in, you know, uh, on the other side of town and say, "Hey, how's it going over here? How, what have you done to stay uh, relevant?" Uh, I see you nodding your head uh, just for our listening audience. To yeah. Comment on the importance of staying connected to. Uh, other people in the same business?
1: Yeah, I think there's a fear for some entrepreneurs, right? The fear of the competition, like, oh, what's he doing down the road or what's she doing down the road? Um, But I'm a firm, firm believer that if my direct competitor opens a business directly across the street from me, that that's really good for my business because it motivates me to be better than them, motivates me to provide better service, better products, um, because I have somebody knocking on my same client base, right? So for me, it's motivating. And I think historically, the, the car companies did that. Like back in the day, you had GM on one side of town and Ford on the other side of town, right? Now you have all of these autoplexes where... All of the car manufacturers are in one row and what they've done is they've actually said, Hey, here we all are you as a consumer now come. And it's your choice based on my marketing, my product, right? But what it's doing is now bringing everybody to the same space, which I think is brilliant. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's healthy. It's healthy to go and talk to your competitors. Conferences are great places where you meet your peers and you find out what everyone's doing in different areas, uh, where they have innovation, where you may be lacking.
0: Um, I don't know if you feel comfortable getting into this area, but is there something the government, um, I don't know, municipal, provincial, federal, something they can do to help small businesses? Are they doing something now? I mean, if you speak to somebody in uh, government I'm sure they'll find something that they're doing but is there something that that you can think of that uh, might be of some reflection for uh, government officials yeah I think
1: I mean I think uh, the fact that we're in a pandemic right now I've been really proud to be Canadian because I've been really proud of our government's response and while criticism abounds in everything at the end of the day um Actions and decisions were taken swiftly and quickly. And never in my history of being a Canadian, I immigrated to Canada in 1988 from Africa, from Kenya. And I. this is the first time that I have experienced direct support for small business and that the small business loan um, and, and all of those programs, the wage subsidies have really been essential. Yeah, yeah. The rent, the, the rent relief, the wage subsidies, the small business. I was like, those are direct impacts to small business, which the government has done, which I'm super thankful for. Uh, but also, I think the role of the government in entrepreneurship is regulation, right? It's, it's, it, the government plays a, a crucial role in nurturing entrepreneurship because unregulated entrepreneurship can lead to um, unfair market practices, corruption, criminal activity, right? So I think the government plays a really important part in uh in entrepreneurship.
0: So what about, um, I kind of know where your sentiments are, but I want to hear you articulate it. How important are small businesses to the culture of a community?
1: I mean, that's all I've ever known, right? All I've ever known is being a small business owner. All I've ever known is being the daughter of an entrepreneur with my dad being the being an entrepreneur. I mean, entrepreneurs uh, are innovators, right? And uh, innovation helps community development. Entrepreneurs drive social change. I mean, I'll give you an example. I grew up in Kenya, as I mentioned, East Africa, right? So when the smartphone was first invented. So we think, you know, smartphone, um, you can afford it, you're rich, you have a smartphone. It's a luxury, um, you know, yeah, you're addicted to work, blah, blah, blah. But in Africa, in Kenya, there are no landlines because there's no infrastructure for landlines. It's open airwaves. You land in Africa, you pull out your SIM card, you pay one and a half dollars U.S. and you get a local SIM card that is an open network that you can use your cell phone locally. Like it's brilliant technology that we are behind in over here. Okay, So in Africa, the smartphone now, I've just come off of Lake Victoria. I have my catch of tilapia. There's three markets I can go to. It's a 20 minute walk, sorry, it's a half a day walk to each of these markets. I'm now going to guess which way to go. I might go to market number one and there's just too much catch. I'm not going to get a good price. But now with my smartphone, I can text or tweet my buddy at any of the other markets. He'll, they'll tell me, hey, the price, is, uh, the price is good here. There's not many suppliers come here. So now using smartphone technology, I have helped enhance my own personal small fishing boat business, right? So entrepreneurship and advancement in technology has helped create change in the world like we've never seen before like we've never seen before. It's brilliant. And without entrepreneurship and innovation, I think we can't have that type of societal and developmental change that we're seeing on such a
0: broad scale. Uh, Going back 360, uh, how's it going in your new business?
1: Uh, It's challenging. It's challenging because it's new, no question. It's challenging because the hard part is getting people to not be afraid to a step out of their house and people have to step out of their house in order to see what else is around them. We're in a new location for us. Uh, It's hard to be noticed. And so we're doing all of the things that you would do in a normal startup, right? With SEO optimization and signage and, and and posting our networks and letting people know that we're here, letting people know that we're here to help them. Um, There's so much, uh, there's so much fraudulent activity. There's so many false products and false claims uh, that people are weary of stuff and unfortunately we're in a pandemic where we need products where businesses need products and we have access to high volume things that have high volume products that businesses need we've supplied school boards and that's been such a great uh such a great uh, heartfelt thing for us to be able to do to know that our products are in school boards keeping our keeping our teachers and our children safe
0: far thank you very much if you have any closing comments please Say them now. I, I think we're good. I think you've shared a whole lot of great tips for our listening audience. I've learned a lot from you. I've always been inspired by you, Far. Um, uh, I sometimes uh, catch myself having to catch my breath because you move so fast and you're so passionate about what you do. But thank you very much for taking the time to be part of this podcast. To our listening audience, my name is Carmel Sakran, and you have been listening to Fareen Samji speak about small business and change. Thank you. And please remember to leave your comments on our website. Thanks Thanks, so much. Thank you.